Soup with Coop is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Welcome to a special edition of Soup with Coop. I'm Cooper Manning. You smell that? No, that's not a hot piping bowl of minestrone. That's the smell of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 57 is this Sunday. Two teams vying for the ultimate prize in football, and then talk shows get to spend the whole offseason wondering if that team is really overrated. I'm thrilled that before you watch a big game, you're hanging with me. Well, today we have a special treat. No, not a creamy lobster bisque. Mm. Instead, we get to celebrate some previous Super Bowl winners who hung out with me on this show. So hang for a bit. First, we'll hear from a pair of Hall of Fame champs, Rod Woodson and Alan Fanica. We'll kick it off with Rod, who talks about his seamless transition from corner to safety. Enjoy. Well, Coop, I'm, honestly, I played safety my whole life. So Little League from nine years old, when I first started playing power football, I played safety. I played safety from all the way through there, all the way through high school, all the way through Purdue. My last year, I played a little bit of everything. I played a little running back, a little receiver, a little corner, a little safety. And then I ran my 40 at the combine. They're like, oh, you're going to play corner. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't. I'm like, I, I don't want to play corner. I don't play corner. It's like, it's weird out there for me. Yeah. So my first couple of years, it took me, I would say, two and a half years to really be comfortable out there at the corner position because it was odd. Safety, I'm up here. I can see everything. I, I see all 22. I can see the whole field. But at corner, on the side view, I played just like I did at safety. I had my eyes in the backfield. <laughs> I mean, I was getting beat, double moves, Drew Hill. I mean, that's when, you know, the run and shoot was like, oh. they were just tearing us up. I mean, Cincinnati, Boomer and those guys, Natty Brown and all those guys, they was tearing us up. Kozar and, and Cleveland, they was they was eating us alive. So we were we we learned under that combat. Um, then once I got comfortable, then I started realizing, oh, okay, I need to show one thing to another. You know, if you always show one and always do one thing when you show that. That's what a quarterback knows it, a receiver knows it. So I would show multiple looks and do multiple things out of it. And what I really was blessed with that I, Tony Dungy allowed me to do certain things. Uh, Rod Russ allowed me to do certain things. And so did Dick LeBeau. You know, Dick would say, hey, I would be in cover two. I'll be eight yards off in cover two. And they would be like, you know, most coaches would be like, no, you need to get down three yards, get your hands on him, reroute him inside. You know, most coaches would do that, but they're like, no, 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 let him play. And then I can now I can show I can, you know, backpedal three steps, stop, see if he's going to run a hitch. If he runs a hitch, pick six. If he runs a slant, it's going to be a collision. So learning to do different things out there, it took me a couple of years. And then once I moved to safety year 12, it was like a comfort zone. I was like, oh, man, you. <laughs> I don't have to work. I mean, it's work. Yes. More so physically, because I remember my first preseason game we played. I think our game was against uh, Atlanta and Jamal. Remember Jamal Anderson. So Jamal comes through, I think it was like right hand side. It must have been like a 25 or something like stretch play. And he hits me and we hit my helmet goes down. I get up. I look at Ray Lewis I'm bleeding. I can feel the blood coming down my face. And I look at Ray and I said, man, I don't know about the safety stuff, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, but I got to play five more years uh, at safety and, you know, we got to win a Super Bowl when I was playing at that position. Do you think that Ravens team, that 2000 Super Bowl team was the best defense? It's definitely the best defense you've ever played on, but you think it was the best defense ever? It's it's worth the conversation. I can say in one given year, absolutely. Most of the great defenses we talk about throughout the history of the sport is they've done it multiple years, right? right. So you, you talk about the Steel Curtain, the Purple People Eaters, Orange Crush, all those great defenses you talk about they they did it year after year after year for probably a three-year period right but that one year that one year in baltimore marvin lewis had some great game plans he trusted us to do certain things he allowed us to change positions you know we'll change position with linebackers linebacker change position we'll change position with corners because we're all X's. I mean, outside of the Mike backer and the, and the nose tackle, everybody else, everybody, the other nine players are X's anyway. So we all, he allowed us to do different things and have fun with it. And you couldn't move Tony Saragusa and Sam Adams. You couldn't move those guys yeah. inside. Our linebackers all could run. And our secondaries, you know, but the, the year that we had that great year, that's when we had a young Chris McAllister, Dwayne Starks. Starks. I moved to safety that year. And then we had Corey Harris and um, we had what, uh, Kim Herring. Those guys kind of alternated at the other safety position. But it was, we knew if you gave us 10 points, you weren't going to beat us. Well, yeah, y'all didn't, you're, no one was, I guess, the, the offense was so-so. The defense did all the <laughs> That's, you're, being pol- you're being polite with our offense. Our offense sucked. Listen, when your offense doesn't score a touchdown for five straight games, that's 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 not so-so. That's yeah, like but, you, you're not that good. And uh, Stokely always talks about he was you know he was instant offense on that Super Bowl, so it works out fine. He was. You know what's so funny? Because we that year the New York Giants beat the Minnesota Vikings. In Minnesota, they had a squad. I mean, they had everybody on that offense. And we were like, man, that's – is there one team that we don't want to play? It would be Minnesota because that's a matchup that – that's a good matchup for us yeah. offensively – or, excuse me, defensively to their offense. And then when we saw that the Giants beat them, we're like, what the heck happened? And this is no lie. Honest to God, Coop. Ray and I, I think it was a couple other players, we sat down on Monday to watch that game. And we watched the recap on how, the, how they played. And we're like, they, they're not going to beat us. Yeah. <laughs> if they get past the 50, we quit. <laughs> and I am not lying. That's exactly what we said to each other in that meeting room. And I think they got across <clears throat> 50 once against us in the game. So, I mean, we believed in who we were. Um, they just had a perfect game against Minnesota. Building the perfect same game parlay can be time consuming, but with quick picks, the Caesar Sportsbook app does the work for you. Quick picks are pre-built same game parlays that turn today's biggest headlines, storylines, and games into bets. They're quick and easy to use and you can't miss them. They're right on the home screen of your Caesar Sportsbook app. Give them a try. And if you haven't downloaded the app yet, register using code Omaha full and then place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, 
you'll get your stake up to $1,250 back as a bet credit. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. License to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. It's probably time to pick up groceries. When you've eaten ramen for the fourth time this week on or off campus, you can use DoorDash to save you that last minute grocery run. Dash Pass for students gives you access to more than just your favorite restaurants, saving you on grocery runs, convenience store trips, and they even have your back with gift shopping. For a limited time, our listeners can get 50% off up to $20 value and $0 delivery fee when you download DoorDash app with the code SOUP. That's 50% off up to $20 value and $0 delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code SOUP. Don't forget... That's code SOUP for 50% off, up to $20 value, and zero on delivery fees with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. First thing is lucky, man. You got to be lucky, right? I mean, just the littlest thing can happen uh, and, and you're done, right? I mean, uh, you can miss a game or miss a season. Um, you know, second thing, never stand around the pile. <laughs> the play is not over with. Get the hell out of the way. <laughs> Keep on moving. Uh, the third thing is take care of your body, man. I was, I was a big proponent of, uh, uh, you know, chiropractor, massage, you know, guru, uh, you know, they don't have a classification, but they can do something, man. Body work. Uh, I was in for it all, man. I did it, uh, multiple times all week long. And I think that's a big part of it. Alan, considering what are you weighing right now? What do you weigh right now? 230. 230. And the, and the most you weighed playing was what? About 320, 325. So do you think, if you just weren't a football player, what do you think your weight would be if you were just an accountant from, a, you know, Schenectady? So I've never been this size in my life. Never. I've never been. And so I probably would not be this size. Um, but, uh, you know, I probably would have been somewhere near what I was. Uh, uh, you know, I was always the big kid, you know. Uh, uh, it became a little harder to uh, maintain the weight, you know, cause you go through college and whatnot, you start learning, oh, I don't need to go to McDonald's and you start eating a little more grilled chicken. And so you got to eat more to maintain the weight. And um, so just kind of, that's the progression, I guess. And so there's been a little bit of a trend lately for offensive linemen who are really big guys all of a sudden retire and then start to really, you know, like, Jeff Saturday's walking around in a, in a meat suit a lot. I see him. He's wearing a Speedo. He thinks he's like, you know, Eric Estrada from Chips. That's yeah. probably Saturday right there coming to tell me to, this interview. Yes, really. This interview's yeah. over. But do you think you're part of the kind of the leader of the pack in these linemen kind of starting to, as opposed to going to 400 and 450 and blowing up? I like to think I started it. <laughs> I don't know if I am or not, but, uh, you know, it definitely did seem to, uh, to hit really quick, man. It was, uh, 
you know, you definitely see a, a lot of guys, uh, Burke and, and, and other guys. And, uh, you know, hey, we always said, you know, you're in the huddle goofing off in between uh, commercial breaks and stuff. And, uh, you know, hey, at the, at, the, at the reunion, the offensive linemen are the only ones that have a chance of looking better. We gain weight. We still look the same. Right. <laughs> All the skinny guys, the running backs and the receivers, they got to work. They got to work their tail off to maintain looking that good. And chances are they're probably all going to put on at least 20 or 30. So uh, yeah. we got the best chance of looking better than we are at that point. Let's talk about Jerome Bettis. Um, he oftentimes was kind of looked at as like a lineman with a ball. What was he like to play with? Jerome was great, man. He was, uh, uh, you know, he was one of the guys, you know, he wasn't going to dance around you too much uh, as a running back. And, uh, you know, he was going to he was going to hit you and, and run over you and fall forward for a couple more yards. And, uh, you know, as, as an offensive lineman, it's out there grinding it and uh, ready to go. Um, when you see a guy that's running the ball and he's playing the game just like you're doing it, um, you know, you can't help but just fight for that guy and, uh, uh, you know, give it your all and play hard, man. But it, it was fun playing with Jerome, man. He was fun, funny guy, great player great teammate and uh, man he was just able to do some amazing things uh, out there and at, at a you know bigger than uh, bigger than the rest of the running backs and uh, still able to be out there and have some uh, some sweet feet and uh, uh, do some good things you seldom find a, a hall of fame running back without some serious hall of fame quality guys up front and uh, I know Jerome's a guy that like to spread the attention was it was it frustrating ever for you as a lineman not getting the the attention that you deserve, even though the, you know, the team's winning and, and yards are being rushed for and it's, and Ben's being protected, but the O-line doesn't ever get, you know, the front page material, so to speak. I think you might be fine. Uh, you might be hard pressed to find a lineman that uh, says that's uh, true, man. Cause it's, it's like in our DNA at some point in high school, our DNA just clicks, man. And it doesn't matter anymore. Um, you know, you go out there, you do your thing and, you know, generally O-line starts getting attention after, you know, hey, like it's, you know, uh, take the Steelers, right? They're, it's week seven. They're 7-0, right? Oh, wait, the O-line's good now. Hold on, let's start <laughs> talking about those guys. Yeah, uh, they've been doing it all along, and they don't care. Now, don't come don't come to my locker today for the interview, right? Like, I'm good. Don't come today. Uh, so, uh, no, man, it's all about the uh, – for, for most offensive linemen, it's, it's all about – it's, it's a group thing. And, and you know what, man, we accept the blame. I think generally most, most guys, you know, accept the blame, man. You know, that, that was my fault. That was my sack. That wasn't uh, the QB's fault. And, uh, you know, try and try and own up to it as a, as a group. Would you say that's the tightest group within a football, within a locker room? The O-line spends a lot of time together. They're pretty, pretty good pals. I mean, yeah, I mean, we kind of walk around like a herd, right? Like, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's eight or nine guys, right? And we just kind of move around in a group and, you know, we move in on the food, and on the trough, and you know, we just kind of move around the, the facility and the, and the practice field like that, man. So I think uh, 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 probably O and D line, you know, but uh, definitely O line, man. We're, we're definitely a tight-knit group. And then in your days, Alan, do you, who do you remember going up against that was particularly, like – you didn't you didn't sleep very well on Saturday night knowing you got to block this guy. Uh, so I, I always preface this, this answer with uh, I, I don't I don't like to give him credit uh, just because we had some <laughs> pretty good battles and uh, he'd probably get a kick out of knowing that if you ever heard me say that. Uh, but uh, Warren Sapp, 
Warren Sapp, man, he, uh, everything we do about playing offensive line is, uh, it was about ritual and, uh, uh, being repetitive, do the same thing, right? Become, become excellent at, at your task, at what you do, and just be able to keep doing it and keep doing it and go through the same routine. Uh, a lot of it is, right? But uh, when you came up against uh, Warren, you know, you got, you're, playing, you're playing the Bucks on, on, uh, on, on Sunday, and all of a sudden it's uh, Wednesday in your practice. You can't go about your normal business because he's going to make you look silly on Sunday. So, uh, you know, I always pulled my, my scout team guy aside and was like, look, man, you're going to have to earn your money this week. We got to work. I need you to do this. I don't care about what you're working on. I need you to do this. I need you to uh, line up a little bit off sides because you're too slow. Uh, and it's going to be a work week. And that's generally, um, uh, you know, it was a hard week of work to get ready to prepare for him. And he, he made you do that just because he played the position so different. I always heard a story, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that Warren – you know, he liked to get really gross and smelly before game. Like he kind of quit showering like on Wednesday and maybe would even, you know, just, you know, just try to smell it where you wanted no part of it. You're blocking him going, I can't, I can't deal with this. Anymore. I mean, just maybe even peeing his pants before game just to be kind of gross. I don't know. About, have you ever heard that story? I've, I've heard that. I don't know if it's true. Warren, I don't have the. I, I think I heard it. I never that. put any, uh, any, any, any thought behind it, man. Cause you know, maybe, Maybe I smelled so bad it didn't it didn't uh, it didn't affect me. I didn't. I never picked up on it. Probably weren't eating enough Mediterranean back then to be oozing out all the vitamin A. You know, that's right. I read where uh, Mediterranean soup has a ton of vitamin A. I didn't know what vitamin A was really good for. It's called retinoid. If you really want to sound smart, just say I'm trying to up my retinoid intake. That's all vitamin right. A. Uh, you know, I've failed chemistry too, <laughs> but it's good for eyesight your immunity, immune system, and cell growth, which, I mean, we're all looking for that, right? Yeah, everybody needs some of that, right? And then in practice, I guess you get you went against James Harrison a little bit? Certainly. I mean, I saw the other day, he was like bench pressing 525 pounds at the age of, you know, 40-something, no yeah. spotter. He needs to stop. He, he's a He's a scary, scary human being to me. I'm just – generally frightened of him yeah what was what was he like as a teammate oh man you know uh when he first got there you know a lot of guys didn't know how to take him a little bit and uh uh then he uh you know started rubbing off on guys you know he's got a little different demeanor about himself but uh it's a great guy man the, the one of the best uh you know everybody loves to talk about james and his strength and uh uh one of the best uh sequences of it that i've ever seen was uh we're in cleveland and one of these guys runs down on the field and he's running laps around the field and uh, avoiding the, uh, the police and security. And uh, he comes just close enough to the sideline and uh, James takes two quick steps out and grabs him by like his waist and his shirt and literally picks him up and body slams him all in like one smooth motion. And my man was, you know, he was evading the police, but he really shouldn't have been. <laughs> You know, I mean, he was definitely north of 230 in like a five foot eight frame. And uh, he just I mean, he just snatched him and threw him to the ground like it was no effort. Like he was just picking up a five pound thing of potatoes at Whole Foods. Could you imagine getting manhandled by James Harrison, a two time Super Bowl champion himself? I think I'd cry. In fact, I'm actually getting a little emotional just thinking about it. Great stories, not from one, but two Pittsburgh legends. Speaking of legends. How about the man my brother called at 
Prince Eli, called it 60 Cent, an all-pro lineman who just won Super Bowl 42 with the Giants. Here, Sean talks about a wide-eyed Eli during his early days in New York. I remember when he came in, you know, I mean, he certainly, he, he definitely looked young. He looked, you know, like he still hadn't shaved, hadn't shaven yet. Like, he, it was like, this is a razor. Oh, what do I do with this? I don't need that. Um, so that was interesting. But, you know, then, like, you know, then he, he, he decides to live in Hoboken, which I think was a great move, you know, for him and just kind of just kind of absorbing the fabric of, of the environment and the city and, you know, not being in New York City, but like being close enough to where you get there. I thought that was a really smart move for him. And, and I think that paid off for him. But you know, I, I always thought he handled the position of quarterback. You know, it's different than any other position with what you have to handle on the field and off the field. And I think, you know, as much as, you know, he, he looked like a deer in headlights, you know, when he first came in, I, I think there's stories about his first mini camp, you know, like he hit a trash can, I think on the sideline with his first throw. And I think it like skipped before it got there. So, I mean, look, he, he was definitely, he's human, you know, like I, I know everybody has these grand, you know, thoughts about how he's not, but yeah, he is. And, and I thought that that, Eli was never scared to show people his human side and Hey, you know what? Like, look, I have boogers just like everybody else, you know, and he's not scared to flick them on you either. I know you know about that. Um, but you know, for him to come in, I, I think that he, he always knew how important the locker room was to be one of the guys and, and this as well as in the huddle. Um, but I thought he handled the whole Kurt Warner thing too, really well too. Cause Kurt started and Eli was okay with that, you know, and I, and I think, um, they, they got along pretty well. And I, and I think that that actually served Eli well, not having to be, have that pressure on him, you know, right away. It kind of let him just kind of grow a little bit, get comfortable um, and make sure that he could find his way to the facility. Because as you know, he's not great with directions. So the Hoboken to work drive, that took him a little while. We, we all inherited my dad's lack of, that's why I have a map because otherwise I don't know where the hell I am. I mean, Rand McNally did not stop over at the Manning house and give us any lessons. We can't, I, I still, my dad will call. I mean, he's lived in new Orleans for, you know, 40 something years, 50 years. And still is like, I'm around the corner, but I still can't find your house. I'm like, dad, dear goodness. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. What about his hands? I mean, he's, his hands spent a lot of time in your, in your, uh, derriere around your butt cheeks if soft hands is it kind of rough was he gentle is he kind was he rough talk to me yeah somehow the, the quarterback center conversation always ends up in this place you know yeah. and i think for a lot of people it's a weird place but it's funny as a center you, you really don't really think about it as a quarterback i know that they can't think about it because otherwise they'll be in shotgun all day long but <laughs> yeah i mean listen whenever people ask me about what's he like i said hey great guy soft hands big knuckles and, you know, not everybody gets that, but, you know, that's kind of like, you know, if I, if I could have like a, a, a saying on his tombstone or, you know, in, in his hall of fame speech, whatever, that would be my, my saying, but um, you know, Eli and I, I thought we hit, we hit it off uh, right out of the gates. And, you know, I, it's funny because I remember him when he came in, I'm like, all right, here's this young buck. And, you know, I was with young Tim couch up at Cleveland. Like, am I going to have to hold his hand, babysit him? We have to teach him everything. And it's funny, you know, he came in as a rookie and he, he knew way more football that, than I've seen some second and third year quarterbacks know. So I actually learned a lot from him, you know, coverages and just kind of reading defenses and blitzes and seeing things. So um, the mental side of it was always fun. But the physical side, you know, I think the one thing that um, Eli always appreciated was throwing a dry ball. 
And that's not easy when you have a 300 pound center that gets swamp and is a huge sweater. So I'm craving soup right now. Hang on. Swamp. Yeah. I'm just ready yeah, for that, a that, that soup right there is, uh, is pretty much, you know, what, what would ruin a three-step drop for Eli on a, on a hot <laughs> summer day. Uh, the worst part was like in practice when we wear mesh shorts, the sweat would just drip off the shorts. Like the pants are different because like it kind of harnesses everything, but the shorts, there's no absorption whatsoever. So Eli used to make me change my pants at halftime on hot, hot games. Really? Didn't like his hands getting all wet and sweaty. And, um, you know, the things you do for your quarterback um, that, that I felt, I still to this day feel bad for the equipment guys, little Ed Skiba had to help me get my sweaty pants off and on. And, you know, I'm standing there in a jock strap and he's putting my thigh pads in the new dry pants and we're doing this also. Eli doesn't have to throw a wet ball. You must sweat a lot because at some point in your career, early on, you had athlete's foot. A, a, a bad, a bad episode of that. It almost wiped out the whole locker room. What I mean, what's going on, Sean? Dear goodness. So we we got to clear. We got to clarify this. <laughs> Look, if you play football and you're in the locker room and you shower with fifty five other guys. Everybody has athlete's foot. So you get it at some point in time. That, that's not what sent me to the hospital. I know Eli has told you that, and I, he loves telling that story. Um, you know, and I just tell him, hey, look, I, I've always been a fun guy. So you know, <laughs> I, I, I think that the truth is I developed an infection. Now, they don't know. They, Eli claims it was from the athlete's foot, but it was cellulitis in my leg. It turned into staph. Yeah, and as you know, the staph infection kind of became – a very big topic, especially, you know, in the warmer climates, it can spread really fast. So, um, yeah, so they, uh, you know, I had this, like this swelling down on my leg and I told the trainers about it. They made me go out and practice that day. They drew, they took a Sharpie group and they drew a circle around it and they were like, all right, keep your eye on this. If this circle gets any bigger than a Sharpie, then you need to come show us. So I'm like, really? That's our medical expertise right now. We've got a freaking Sharpie. It's like, if you like, if you drew a map right now around Nevada, and you were like, hey, if it gets any bigger, come tell us. Yeah. So, so, so the next day I come in and it's like the size of the entire country behind me. So, I mean, it, I'm like, yeah, this is bad. We're outside the circle. So I, I immediately go in and show them. And they're like, you need to go to the hospital right now. This is spreading and we can't let it get to your bloodstream. So, uh, yeah, they sent me into HSS, the hospital for special surgery. Um, I saw the infectious disease doctor and he said, look, we're, we're gonna, we need to get you on IV antibiotics right now. Vancomycin, which is like the strongest thing you can get. He said, we don't know. We don't we want to make sure this isn't MRSA. MRSA is, you know, th that can be life and death. So uh, luckily it wasn't, but they got me on IV antibiotics to try to hit it right away. And um, unfortunately, I missed that game and the next game. And, and uh, Eli and the boys never let me live it down. What's better than finding quality candidates? Finding them instantly. For a powerful hiring partner, you need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you could do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed's employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches 
match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash soup to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash soup. Indeed.com slash soup. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Sean, who would you play against in your career the next morning? You're like, just just get me to the hospital. I mean, this guy just beats me up. Just, you know, just a yeah, I, so John Randall was the toughest guy that I ever played against one-on-one, but I'll tell you, one of the hardest hitters ever was Jeremiah Trotter, the middle linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and like his celebratory, you know, move, anytime he made a big play was this big axe smash. And like the guy just, I mean, he had a, his head and his neck. It was like a cinder block. Like every time you wanted to hit it, there was no give, there was no move. And, and like, he didn't even care to make the tackle. Like if he saw you were coming to block him, he just wanted to blow you up and he'll let somebody else make the tackle. But he was, you know, I can't tell you how many times playing against him and the Eagles that I'd have a hit with him. And I'd think, Oh my God, did I just swallow a mouthpiece? Like the hit was like, it was that much of a collision. And you're like, something just went down my throat. I hope it wasn't my mouthpiece. I don't know what that was, but like, it makes you, it makes you like gulp. And have you played before also and been in awe of someone like you're on the sideline going, there's a, ooh, you know, like kind of a turn into a, you know, even when you're 30, do you revert back to being a kid sometimes just on the other side of the seeing, seeing a player? I, when I, when I came to Cleveland, um, our number one overall pick that year was Courtney Brown out of Penn state. I don't think I've ever seen somebody that physically chiseled. I mean, he was 6'6", 290 pounds. I mean, 3% body fat. And, like, like when he turned sideways, like, in the shower, like, you couldn't see the other guy on the other side. He was that wide. Like, just, you know, when he benched, when it was in the weight room with the bench press, his arms were outside of the rack that you put the, the bar on. Like, that's how long his arms were. So, I mean, when I saw him, I'm like, man, I, I'm so glad he's on my team when I don't have to try to block him. But in practice, I mean, he was a total nightmare. So, yeah, those guys, guys like that, you just, I mean, you never forget seeing a guy as physically gifted as that. Um, I, I didn't play with him, but um, Odell Beckham, watching him in practice and seeing some of the things that he does with the football and with his his jump leap ability, the, the, the jumps, the catches, I mean, some of that is just unbelievable. And, and even when you think you've seen something remarkable, he goes out on a, on a routine practice catch and just, you know, he's got this wow factor to him. This is an interesting transition because you mentioned showering twice and we're talking about um, does, in the NFL right now, is it, I mean, you know, I always, when we were growing up high school, college, whatever, it's just a big room with a bunch of shower heads. You go in there, take a shower and get out of there. Is it still that way in the NFL or do they have individual stalls now do you know oh no it's still prison showers okay yeah yes. you're, you're, you're into the wide open no doubt you know and, and i think that's you know that's the, probably the, the best way to maximize space i don't know i'll say this now with covid who knows there, there may be plexiglass in between each right. shower which would make things even weirder and now guys are going to run into stuff you know I, I, I don't know you hit your head if you drop something you know i, I don't know but yeah yeah uh, yeah the shower scene is i'm sure 
you know, maybe they have to do in shifts. I don't know. Maybe it is more prison like in that you had to go by position group or whatever. But um, I think especially now with everybody being vaccinated, they don't have to wear a mask the entire time. Um, I couldn't imagine wearing a mask in the shower, but <laughs> if I was going to wear a mask in the shower, it was going to be around my weight. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you would probably, yeah, would you be one of those guys that wore boxers in the shower? Cause there's always like one guy. If I'm showering next to Courtney Brown, you might, I might consider it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Because it's funny, you know, these, cause the high school, like I was talking to high school kids, we used to have a shower coach made a shower. You had to shower before you went home, shower after basketball practice. And now people leave the locker room and they smell maybe, you know, been sweating for four hours. You smell like, Hey, I want to come over and, you know, I'm going to get out of my house, jump in the pool or something, just a D it's the most disgusting thing, but no one showers. I think, they have to have their own little deal. It's not like the old days. You just, you know, man up. It's weird. Yeah, I think things have definitely changed. I mean, I, I we had showers in high school, you know, and some guys would shower after gym class, you know. Yeah. So it, it just used to be like, hey, that's what you do. Um, I remember, yeah, playing a basketball high school basketball game, and you get done with it, and I would always shower, and and all the other guys wouldn't, and then they would some of them would just hang up their jersey in the locker and not even wash the jersey. Like you come in the next day and the thing is like standing stiff on its own in the locker. And yeah, I mean, when you're in high school, I, yeah, hygiene just kind of goes out the door. That's the best way to get MRSA, I think. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, you don't want to get MRSA. But the one part I left out about that trip was I, I met my wife in the hospital. She was my nurse on that exact weekend. So is that uh, right? I, I, yeah. So, so, you know, for me, I don't, I don't want anybody to get MRSA or get staff, but if you happen to get it, you might as well get a wife out of it. Like I did. Hey, Amen. That's how is, how's your, your game is pretty good when you're just lying in bed, just talking. I mean, you got people coming and tending to you and treating you. Might as well check out some of your best New Jersey lines and see if they I stand. mean, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, like nobody's really actually put that connection together but i mean if you can score in the hospital when you haven't shaved in three days you haven't you haven't showered in three days you've got athlete's foot you know and you've got you've got you've got an iv like you look like crap but you could still get a girl's number at that point in time in your life then yeah i mean you must have some sort of g in you you got um because not everybody could pull that off and you know i always kind of felt like hey if i can get her number Wait till she sees me when I'm cleaned up, you know, <laughs> wait till she sees me with some cologne on God, a good smelling New Jersey guy. Unbelievable. Sean, you love, are you, are you, a, have you gotten into Twitter? Are you a Twitter guy now? Tell me about it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I feel like if I go on it, like it's like playing video games, like you just lose track of time. So it's like, I always try to be very selective when I go on it because you know, you start reading stuff and it's like there's like 20 things you want to read and you can never get to them because your timeline's always refreshing. So, you know, I'm still I'm still learning uh, about Twitter, but I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, I, I, my, my humor, I don't know if people always get it. So I'm always worried that I throw something out there and then people are going to be uh, now everybody wants to. Answer. <laughs> it's like, come on, can we take a joke? Like, come on, it's social media. Preach, Sean. I, for one, love your jokes on Twitter. I might not retweet all of them, but that's because you don't pay me enough to be your PR man. Well, that was great, but let's take a quick break before we sit down with a guy known to everyone as Stink. 
This Valentine's Day, fall in love with flavor when you save on delectable dishes and tantalizing tastes from Omaha Steaks with their Love at First Bite sale. It's the perfect time to celebrate your better half and bring the steakhouse experience home for Valentine's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code SOUP at checkout and get $30 off your order. That's $30 off an endless variety of delicious gourmet foods from perfectly aged tender steaks to juicy burgers, decadent desserts, and classic comfort meals. Every bite is guaranteed to be perfect and is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit omahasteaks.com, enter soup at checkout to get $30 off your order today. No one comes close to matching the flavor, tenderness, and value of Omaha Steaks. Order today and share a special meal with your special someone. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code soup at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Welcome back to a Super Bowl edition of Soup with Coop. Our next clip is from the great Mark Schlereth. Stink shared with us the most painful story I've ever heard. You're not going to want to miss this. My first year here in Denver in 1995, I woke up, um, I woke up on a Sunday morning. We had a, a Monday night game against the Raiders. I woke up on a Sunday morning with kidney stones. And I was just like 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, just an excruciating pain if you ever had kidney stones in people who, who they can relate to it. it. They're awful, right? And so my wife, because she had dealt with me before, she's like sent me downstairs on the couch because trying to sleep it off, you know, see if you can just kind of. So I muscled through till, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I'm like, it's miserable. And my parents happen to be in town. So um, we told them we were going to the hospital and she takes me to the hospital and I spent all day in the hospital. They transfer me from one hospital to another hospital. I can't, the stones are so, they're so big, I can't pass them. And so it's like, Literally 9 30, 10 o'clock at night, Sunday night, we got a game the next morning against the Raiders, our arch rivals. And they're like, hey, we're gonna have to surgically take these kidney stones, right? So I mean, Coop, I'm I'm like, all right, let, let's roll. So you <laughs> roll down the hallway, right? And they roll me into the, the operating room. And you got your little gown on, but your butt naked. It's literally snowing in the operating room. So I mean you you have to get a flashlight and a pair of tweezers to take a so cold in there, right? <laughs> and I am laying on this table. Every person in there is female. Like the the nurses, my anesthesiologist is female. Everybody is female. And so the 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 scrub down nurse comes in and goes, Are you allergic to iodine or benadine? Because I'm gonna be your scrub down nurse. They go right through your junk. And they go into your, like, into your, uh, through your junk, into your, through your bladder, into your, I think it's the ureter that goes from your kidneys down to your bladder to take this, to take these stones out. And I looked, I looked at the anesthesiologist. I'm like, hey, listen, it's freezing cold in here. You guys are going to need to put me out before she starts scrubbing me down. <laughs> so I literally go to sleep, right? Got my legs in the stirrups. I wake up. And I have to take, like, I have to take a morphine shot to take a um, It's all blood. Like, it's it's oh. horrible, right? And the next morning, I check myself out of the hospital at 10 o'clock in the morning. I drive to pregame. Uh, I eat a piece of toast. I drive down to the stadium and uh, and play against the Raiders. We beat them 20, 27 to nothing. Um, you know, straight, up, straight out of the emergency operating room. 
onto the field to play the Raiders. And that was, that to me was, that's what I do. Um, that was my responsibility. So I've always, I've always taken, not, not that I'm, I'm proud of myself, but I've always taken great pride in, in answering, you know, answering the bell for my teammates. Mark, as, as, as a tough guy, were there times, did you think you had an influence over a teammate? You mentioned being a great teammate. And I think that's how they always talk about Mickey Mantle. As much uh, as he did for ba- baseball, it was all in the, in, the, in the outfield. It says, Mickey Mantle, a great teammate. You know, ignore all the hoopla and the highlights and, the, you know, being the most popular guy. I thought that was cool because he's just a, a grounded guy. But were there people in the locker room that you thought were a little more self-centered and me guys that you were able to kind of spread the – the good teammate gene to them and make them look at things a little differently at times? Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope that was part of my legacy, um, you know, and just the whole, just the whole, it's not only playing hurt and playing injured, but playing well hurt and injured. Like that was, that was part of the mantra, right? It's not enough to play hurt. You got to play well hurt and uh, anybody can play the game when they feel good. Um, you got to be able to play the game when you feel like, and you got to play well. And so that was always that was always part of, of what I believed in or what I tried to bring to a football field, you know, kind of that leadership through setting an example, through doing it. Um, but, you know, Rod Smith was a teammate for a long time and one of the great Broncos in the history. Probably should be, not probably, should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a phenomenal football player. Never missed a workout, never missed anything. I mean, anything. He would throw, like, he'd be more proud we, we play a game against the Raiders and, and Mike Anderson's running for us and he breaks one down the sideline and, and you know, we, we run 19 handoff strong or something and, and Rod's the ex receiver on the backside. And, um, and he, he breaks one down the sideline. He's weaving in and out and, and Rod loops around and uh, the nose guard for the Raiders at the time. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. But big, got, you know, we, not, what's that? Chester McLaughlin. Not, I mean, no, no, no. It wasn't Chester. It was uh, it was another one of them big hog molly type guys. But uh, but I'll remember it at some point. It doesn't matter. He's Rod loops around from the X, and the guy's chasing you know chasing down the sideline, trying to twenty yards behind or whatever. And this is back when you could blindside people, and you just got applauded and pat on the back instead of you know fine. <laughs> um, but but Rod loops around and absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Grady Jackson. Oh, yeah. Absolutely lays Grady Jackson out. I mean, just over tea kettle, feet in the air, right? <laughs> so we're in the next day on Monday, you know, looking at the film or whatever. And we come out of the O-line meeting room and Rod is in the locker room. Now, Rod probably had seven catches and two touchdowns for 112 yards. All he could talk about was blowing up Grady Jackson. It was like the greatest. It was like that was that was how our team was. And that's how those guys were. Like, they took more pride in throwing a great block that sprung TD than they did catching touchdowns and doing all that stuff. But I had had a, uh, a knee surgery, one of the many I had when I was playing. And um, it was it was like I, I had it, like, on a Monday, and it was Friday. And so I still had, this like, the sutures with the little steri strips. And I actually had blood trickling down my legs because it was, it was still kind of open. And I was pulling up my knee sleeve and Rod's locker was right across from my locker. And he's like, what are you doing? And I go, I'm getting ready for practice. And he goes, what? And I go, yeah, I'm going to practice. And he's, he just shakes his head and he goes, dude. And I go, what? And he goes, 
my hammy's a little tender and they gave me the day off. He goes, but I cannot, I can't let you go out <laughs> and practice with blood trickling down your shins and me take a day off for a hammy. So he got dressed and he was out there playing, right? Out there practicing. But that was kind of the connection we had as a football team um, during, those, th- during those years in Denver, which were just phenomenal. Well, there you have it. Thanks for hanging with me on Soup with Coop. Thank you to our Super Bowl champion guests. Good luck to those playing in the game. Enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday, and we'll see you next time on Soup with Coop.